0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I'm going to be speaking to Avner Baruch, who's sitting in Israel, and he's currently writing a book. And he asked me if he could chit-chat with me about customer success. So, hi, Avner. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, Yurit, and hey, everyone. First of all, thank you very much for setting this up. I really look forward to be speaking with you today about one of the most important topics, which is the evolution of customer success, the contribution of the role, or roles, which hopefully we'll elaborate on today, and uh, hopefully we'll get to the point where we can discuss about the importance of customer success and account managers in a specific space where the entire selling motion is supposed to be more of a self-service. From my own personal view, perspective, I'm very curious to learn as much as I can about how customer success can contribute to the selling motion, to the sales cycle, where the entire process is supposed to be self-service. just get started and talk about, you know, the evolution. I've seen things, you know, over the last 10 years, I'm very, very keen to understand, you know, what is your take about the evolution of the customer success, you know, briefly how it started and where it is today?
0: Well, I think there's different theories around how it started. I can only share my personal story around, you know, getting it started. In 2013, March, 2013, I joined a company called back then Jay that turned into Gainsight. And in these early discussions with the management team, including Dan Steinman, Jim Eberlin, and Nick Maida, we realized that there's a growing need for SaaS companies that have subscription-based model to fight churn. Basically, they were getting customers in, doing the same things that companies have always done in the 80s. Basically, you buy it, and then if it breaks, call us and we'll, we'll fix it. That was basically the engagement model and they were seeing a great deal of churn. So even though the model seemed to be profitable, it was still like a proof of concept in many regards because the churn was fairly high. I mean, back then it was not uncommon, I think, for a company to have an 80% gross retention rate. And by the way, I don't think anybody was really tracking net retention, rate. like all these sophisticated stuff was not even there. So everybody were just thinking, okay, how can we reduce churn? That was the number one problem. We knew that the old way of doing things was not really working. And there were a lot of skeptics in the industry around what should be done. Nobody had like a real answer, but Jim Eberlin was chief customer officer at Host Analytics, a company he founded before Gainsight. And back then the board asked him, so how many customers churned? How many are in red? How many are about to renew? And he didn't even have a system that could elaborate on all these questions, let alone you know his forecast for who's gonna churn it just didn't exist. So he he was just thinking, well, let me set up a system that can answer these questions. That was the number one. When he started selling it to other companies, he noted that nobody really knew what they were doing. There wasn't like a department he could sell this to. And when Nick joined, he said, You know what? What we need to really do is start up a new category called customer success. And we need to educate the market because. CEOs don't really even believe that they need to change anything. And so, Together, you know, as a group, we were just working really hard to think about how can we educate the industry on customer success practices. And we interviewed a lot of different executives on what are they doing to fight churn? And so that was in 2013. 2013 was the year of coming up with strategies to fight churn. Then in 2016, there were more and more customer success teams still very active, still fighting churn. And then Lincoln started to be a lot, Lincoln Murphy, a lot lot more vocal about customer outcomes, desired outcomes. And then there was starting to be a pivot around value-based conversations down the road a few years, much more popular, becoming the number one job in the world to be hired as the customer success manager. You could see how 2020, 2021, with the coronavirus, not only teams are set up to fight churn and increase upsell, but also there's a major conversation around how do you do that at scale? How do we, like this terminology around digital first started to emerge in Leo, what we used to call tech touch. And so I think that that's kind of like at a very high level what the evolution was like from my standpoint. I also think in 2020, I started getting a lot more customers to my practice asking for help that are definitely outside of SaaS. I think I started seeing on-prem trickling down around 2016, 17, more predominantly in 2018. And then in 2020, we started seeing other industries really getting interested, because by now we had some results, like concrete results. We know this works. And uh, we started getting other industries really interested in saying, well, how is this different than customer experience? And so that's basically at a high level what I've seen. I know it's like a long answer, but that's my view of it.
1: That's exactly what I was expecting to hear, actually, if I were to wrap up everything that you said. So basically you started with uh, something that resembles a support approach. If it breaks, we'll fix it. If we hear back from the customer, that means we need to fix something. We need to, I don't know, reply back or whatever. No news, good news (laughs) whatsoever. And then everything basically, or you created that category and then you led the category and then you migrated or transitioned into, correct me if I'm wrong, into a reactive to proactive approach. Instead of waiting for something to like for customers to complain or to, to submit a ticket, proactively basically reach out in order to assess any possible risks in order to understand if there is any potential reason to churn. And that was part of the process, if I understand correctly.
0: Yeah, I think the process of the evolution of customer success is very similar to how we measure the maturity of customer success can either be in super reactive mode, or you can start being more proactive and have some processes in place. Then we started seeing more and more companies train their customer success managers on value-based methodologies, and then becoming more digitized with digital first. And then finally, hopefully in the next few years, we'll see customer success not becoming about let's set up a customer success function, but really becoming about let's adopt customer success as a methodology throughout the organization. Because you know you can't just have a function and hope that churn diminishes and the upsell increases and that advocacy increases. It's really about can we get product to be more customer centric and can we get finance creating Contracts and negotiating contracts in a more customer-centric manner, like all these different departments should be aligned with customer centricity.
1: Many, many businesses I talk to as part of like interviewing people, you know, for the book, whatever. I ask them like, what is your approach? What is your opinion about? What is your perspective about customer success? Uh, what do you think it's, you know, the role is, role and responsibility and etc. So the majority of people I talk to focus on or basically share one specific answer. You know, customer success is a department. It's a goal. We step in once an opportunity converts into an account, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Our job is like, you know, basically everything that we discussed before. And some of the businesses I talk to see a more like it's not a departmental goal. It's a company goal. It's a goal that the entire organization shares. So that's a different approach because, and I believe in that, by the way, and You know, you can support that idea with, you know, the right tech stack platform and processes, whatever you implement. But you really need to implement the right DNA to build the right DNA in the organization in order to, like, have everyone aligned to this approach where data that we collect, feedback, data, whatever, NPS, for example, can actually help marketing, of course, sales, anyone in the organization. So what's your take about that on that?
0: You're absolutely right. It should be company wide Methodology. It should be led by the CEO. But I got to tell you, I still have CEOs calling me COOs, CROs, you know, higher up individuals, GMs of lines of businesses, and they still perceive customer success as a function. It's up to us, people in the trenches, to be vocal about it and educate the industry around what it means to have customer success as a cross functional. Methodology and strategy. I think that there's just a little bit of ambiguity around what it really means, and how should you really unfold that. I have a book by Sassy from ServiceNow. He actually wrote a book about the customer' success as a cross-functional methodology, and he wrote it for the CEO. And I think that's the right step in the right direction. How can you we need to educate CEOs on how to do this. I think once they're educated and there's data behind it,
1: they will do it. I totally agree. And again, that's a great segue because it's all about the data, how you collect the data, where you collect the data and how you share the data. It's very, very much similar to a BI, business intelligence platform, where you collect data from one department, but basically provide access or you visualize the data in a way that other departments can actually understand. So maybe you need to render, to change the language, or to visualize the data in a different way. That product might gather their own take about that specific data. All together, I think that. By the way, I recently met with Plan Hat's CEO. We had a very long discussion about this approach, company-wide perspective. So I totally agree. Another question I wanted to ask you is: You've been around for a very long time, and you've you've interviewed so many people. What do you think are the key factors? That enable a CSM or account manager to succeed or to fail. What are the, the most important key factors that might actually trigger success or failure? So re- rephrase my question. Maybe I'll start with an example. So you have this business was doing very well. You've got like a great product. They're leading their category, their space, their market, whatever, with a great product, etc. But for some reason, when it comes to customer success, they're not doing very well. And Could be many reasons. One, you know, lack of understanding of the technology, lack of skills. Other reasons might be related to the work environment.
0: When you say that the customer success wasn't doing well, what were the symptoms?
1: So I'm talking from an outcome point of view. The churn rate is extremely high.
0: But that's the point. How can you blame it all on the customer success function? If the tool was that great, you have to, first of all, analyze the macro conditions, This awesome tool, was it stable? Was it mature?
1: It was. I mean, it is stable. It is mature.
0: If everything is excellent, the product is stable, why would there be churn? Usually, it could be a number of reasons. It could be that the structure of the organization is not supporting the customer journey and what the CSMs need. And I actually did a a couple of presentations around that topic. You have to build the team to support your business model. It's very, very important. And so when you analyze the business model, you want to think about, okay, what do your customers need? Are they high-touch type of industry like education? Everybody knows K-12 are going to be high-touch no matter what is your ARR or are they engineering, like manufacturers, you're going to work with like very techie people. Then you can't just put a school teacher and hire like a flight attendant to be the CSM. You have to hire another engineer to be the CSM. So you have to to look at like, what are the conditions? (laughs) And then did I design the right CSM function? So sometimes the design is incorrect because somebody read a blog and then they decided to do one thing because everybody says whatever and it just doesn't work. I always go back to the fundamentals. Who's the customers that we're working with? What should the segmentation look like? What is the CSM to customer ratio that's needed? Given the customers that we're working with, what is the engagement model, meaning what's the customer CSM lifecycle journey with the customer? How are they working with the other teams? What's the R&R, as we call the the roles and responsibility? What's the racy chart like? And then do we have a system so we can hold people accountable? Do we have the right KPIs for the team? Are their comp plans aligned with those goals? Did we make clear goals and did we attach the team performance KPIs to those goals I think when you do all of that, and then we define processes and templates to empower the team to be able to execute on their jobs. So when you do all these fundamentals right, the chances for the team not to be successful, given that the product is relatively stable and mature, it diminishes greatly.
1: I totally agree. I think that there are many parameters in that need to be considered as part of the equation that defines success or failures. The greatest challenge I see today, mainly for SaaS businesses, is where you set the expectations up front with a customer that you know, you're know you going to deliver a self-service product, meaning the customer starts to build expectations on his end. Once I purchase the, uh, you know, whatever it is, I'll get on board it and they expect minimum touch points with the customer, unless it's important, unless it's urgent whatsoever. And when they actually realize there's too many touch points with a customer or customer success story, and they're not getting the, the value from those touch points, this is where both sides starts to basically feel the, the stress and the <laughs> frustration. Usually this leads to churn. And I've seen it many, many times so far. You hope to deliver self-service product, but at the end, The the customer develops some kinds of dependencies with the customer success. You know, at the end, the the customer success finds himself with lack of capacity to manage all those queries coming from the uh, frustrated customers whatsoever. So what is your take on this?
0: You're you're talking about a situation where the customer success manager almost becomes part of the customer's team and does the administrative work for them.
1: Yep, exactly. You know, it goes back to support.
0: You know, that's not uncommon for startups. and. I've seen this typically happens when either the product itself is super, super sophisticated and the customers we sell to just don't have the bandwidth to learn and like adjust, or we sell to an industry that has no idea how to do this process. So for example, we sell to real estate agents and this is a marketing tool and they have no idea how to do marketing and they don't have a team to do it. You know, There's some instances when this kind of lends itself. I think the number one mistakes that companies do is they don't charge for that service. They sort of like sell the tool. They know their customers don't know either how to do the process or they don't have the time to learn and they don't sell the service. Like if a real estate agent or like your customer signs up for the tool. because they want the outcome and they understand that the tool is not going to like generate campaigns on its own. And sometimes they would be willing to pay a little extra to do it. Or you can set up like an academy where you teach all this stuff and whatever. Or you can partner with different consultants to like QuickBook does it. There's a button where you can click and find an accountant to do your bookkeeping. Brilliant, right? Don't we all do it? Just recognize the fact that this is happening and come up with mitigation strategies that would still make you profitable why are you dumping it on customer success and and don't charge for it either it's beyond me i totally
1: agree and by the way i've experienced this process this journey myself i think twice maybe, maybe even three times so you start with like one role customer success and then these guys are supposed to Get in touch with the customer. You know, kick off the uh, the onboarding process. Get their hands dirty with the hands-on you know journey, the onboarding process, the system onboarding, and then you know make sure that the uh, the product uh, engagement or adoption is healthy enough to take it to the next step. And then talk about like let's talk about expansion. And then you've got one person, one function that needs to deal with it. These three different areas. And uh, successful companies have realized that it doesn't work. You need to split those responsibilities and have dedicated people responsible for the onboarding, for the health of the account or adoption. And then you've got another team, account managers, who are responsible for the expansion. Talking about what you need in order to grow your account, to grow your business, etc. And you're totally right. In order to make it work, you really need to set the expectations up front with the customer and you know have the right resources on your side in order to help the customer to get what they need when they need it, in order to reduce the friction with your customer success. So they only reach out when you know they, they have a query, like a value-based question. We're very happy with your product, with the editor, whatever it is. We're looking to expand the deployment, the usage of the tool, and we're basically you know need an advice: what other department can actually benefit from the tool, whatever. So that's the formula that I've seen that works.
0: I think you're right. Creating specialized roles definitely helps. I also think that considerations around customer success packages and monetization of some of these managed services can be a blessing, especially if you have. At least one cohort of your customers, be these larger enterprise companies, I do believe that they do have the budget to pay for these services. And I think that that's greatly a miss. We either don't charge enough or we don't charge at all because we're a startup. I, I think that's a, a big mistake.
1: I was very fortunate to work in a business where they started to think about monetizing the services. And in the beginning, they came up with a few black like, buckets or categories or package services or a few packages. Each package had like a specific hours of professional services or whatever in order to make it work in order to, avoid leaving money on the table but at the same time avoid over delivering where you basically deliver more hours than you need to whatever so they really applied a bi approach where they actually looked at the successful accounts they were able to onboard they started from the end to the beginning they uh, analyzed every successful project they completed they onboarded and i investigated how many resources did we invest in order to make it work what were the friction points etc what areas we need to improve etc and then they reverse engineered the entire process and refined those packages to the point where they could tell immediately from day one, even before the opportunity converted into account, they could tell exactly once we need to kick off the, the onboarding. We know exactly how many hours, we'll know exactly what are the frictions, what are the possible risks, and that improved the, the onboarding process. And of course, renewal. It's a win-win situation.
0: I wish more companies did that. I think that's, that's a great step in the right direction.
1: I'm seeing a trend where, you know, the customer success function is split into two functions, CSMs and account managers. And in most cases, you've got the CSMs reporting to VP customer success or even chief customer officer. And then you have the account managers, which become part of sales. They report to VP sales or CL leaders i've been talking to some are in favor and some actually don't really support the idea there is no one answer i think it depends on the maturity of the business on the go-to market on the strategy on many many parameters and i wanted to ask you again what is your take on this what is your view do you see this as like a trend that gains popularity or it relates to one specific industry
0: so the larger the company, the more complex the business model, the more permutations of special roles that you're going to see. So essentially, when you see an account manager coexisting with a customer success manager, there's a reason for it. It's another like way to create specialized roles. I think Boaz Abel actually said that you know what he's been seeing is that when the sales cycle is fairly long and consultative, the more likely you're going to split between the person owning the financial transactions versus the person owning, let me make sure you get maximum value out of your investments. I think that's a fair assessment and I think that's a fair strategy to look at, like something to apply to it. Another way to look at it is sometimes the sales cycle is not that long, but the product is super technical. So you'll have a customer success engineer alongside a customer success manager. And so again, it's a way to split the technical, the tactical stuff that the account needs. If the product is really super sophisticated, they will need more technical support. And by that, I'm not just saying technical tickets. They actually need somebody to almost do managed services to some degree or like have an SME available them. And it's somebody that's just has sales skills. It's very hard for them to do it. I do think so. And and then the other reasons that you sometimes would do it is just to scale. You'll have one group where you hire for sales skills, easy. And then another group that might be more consultative, but don't have sales skills because it's really hard to find both. It's actually very expensive to find both. And so sometimes it's just easier to do it that way. I don't really see A whole lot of issues. I know some customer success teams are very passionate about owning the renewals and upsell. But again, even with that within that team, I think that they should still consider specialized roles just for the sake of scalability. And if you're not in a scalable motion, like your company doesn't grow really quickly and you're not concerned about scalability, then maybe you can leave everything under the customer success team. You'll be just fine, especially if like it's a very easy upsell and renewal process. But do you really want your CSMs to spend hours compiling contracts?
1: I totally agree.
0: And there's also a risk of like losing your trusted advisory relationship. Because now I don't just try to maximize value from what you have. I'm also pitching you additional things that you could have. And wait, I'm just not advising you. I'm also closing the deal, sending you the contract. So all of a sudden I'm wearing a sales hat. I mean, it's possible if done right. Like that's what we call value selling. But I think that's, I don't know. I don't think it's super scalable, honestly.
1: I totally agree. And again, fortunately, I I experienced the same journey. In one of my previous roles, I've seen the transition, again, where CSM, where, you know, they split into two teams because of that specific reason. Some people have the skills, you know, the selling skills, some don't. So it's better to basically focus on what you're doing very good. And I think it's very hard to find people that are very passionate about supporting customers and having conversations with customers. And then you've got selling people who are not very support oriented. I think it works this way, and I totally agree we're on the same page here.